on the job with Francis Leach and Sally Rugg. It's On The Job, the podcast, all about making your working life better. Francis Leach with you, how are you? And that tagline, making your working life better, has never been more appropriate because last week in federal parliament, it was an historic moment with the introduction of a set of laws and legislation that will literally save lives. It is the paid domestic and family violence leave legislation, which has been campaigned for for over a decade by unions and workers right around the country who understood at the heart of the issue of domestic violence was that women, predominantly women, not only, but predominantly women, often found themselves with Hobson's choice in a an unbearable situation, a dangerous situation that might imperil their lives, they often had to choose between seeking shelter and refuge and help or going to a doctor or a lawyer or the police and giving up work and losing hours and maybe losing their job. A horrible choice to have to make in such a critical moment in their lives, such a stressful moment in their lives. Well, finally, after 10 years of hard work, that change has come. And once again, it's a reminder that when change comes, it's because people work collectively and relentlessly to achieve it. It doesn't just occur. It's unions and workers getting together and forcing the change, making it happen. And it's a really important and proud moment for the Australian Union movement. We're going to celebrate that today on the podcast. We speak to two people who've been involved in the campaign for paid domestic and family violence leave legislation uh, and who were so proud to see that legislation in Parliament last week. Let's start with Julia Angrisano. Julia is the National Secretary of the Financial Services Union, the FSU, and she's our first guest this week on The Job. On The Job with Francis Leach and Sally Rugg. Julia, welcome back to On The Job. How are you? I'm well. Good to be with you. We're speaking on the Thursday that this legislation that is going to provide paid leave for domestic and family violence for those who need it has just gone into the parliament. Can you maybe describe your emotions as you saw that unfold, given how much work you and your members have done to get to this point? You know, after a decade of campaigning for 10 days of family and domestic violence leave, by our union, but by all the unions, it was just wonderful to see the new Albanese government fully introduce legislation that enshrines this as a right for every single worker. To see that in the parliament today, it was really a really momentous and, and significant day. It's a terrible issue, the issue of family domestic violence, but I know that it's one that we all felt today so much pride for the work and very proud of the efforts of the trade union movement to get us to here. I understand it's global. There isn't any other country in the world that has a right like this now enshrined for every worker. So it's a really remarkable day. An extraordinary achievement and an important one. So let's go back a number of years to talk about where this campaign began. So we know that the gender pay gap is still entrenched in so many ways and we're getting a deeper understanding or more sophisticated understanding about all the inputs to that. And one of those is insecure work and the disruption that women face in their working lives because of their domestic and family situations. And then you dig a bit deeper and you realise that lots of women face really stressful, difficult and dangerous environments in which to live. And that also impacts on their working lives and their ability to have uh, a level of financial independence and it's a conversation you have to start to try and explain to those who maybe are lucky enough never to have encountered this scenario or all those terrible dilemmas why it's important so how did you start that conversation in our sector we actually decided quite deliberately about 10 or so years ago 
that we needed to make this almost a mainstream issue. People weren't talking about family and domestic violence. And I recall we actually sat down with a very senior group executive at Westpac at the time. We decided we're really going to target one bank. And if we could get one bank to understand the issue, then the ability to campaign with our members to achieve this as a right in their enterprise agreement we thought that was the way to, to kind of uh, come to it for that time. And I recall the conversation we had with the group executive where we, we were explaining to him the crisis and the need for women uh, in particular in his bank who'd be facing these issues, that they needed time off work. And, and that time we knew that it needed to be paid time to give them the financial security that they needed to attend medical appointments, to go and speak to lawyers, to seek advice, to move house, to do all of those things that we know unfortunately, some women are faced with. And it was in that moment that that group executive said, I've got no idea what you're talking about. He was really quite surprised to hear what we were describing to him and uh, what this, you know, this awful statistic that one woman was being killed every week at the hand of their partner or former partner. And so we worked out back then that, my goodness, we have got a lot of education to do and a lot of work to do with employers so that they understand the issue and then understand why they have a role to play, why this is a workplace issue and they needed to step up and start providing for paid family and domestic violence leave. And we knew that if we could get one of the big banks to go and to meet this claim, then it would ensure that the others would soon follow. And that's really where this started for us 10 years ago. And we had then the second tier banks and the insurers and now industry super as we sit down to negotiate collective agreements. We now have paid family and domestic leave across the financial services sector where we have an EA in place. And that is excellent. And a few years ago when we sat down with the Commonwealth Bank, we made them pick up a commitment that they made publicly around this issue where they said any woman who requires time off will have unlimited family domestic violence leave. They wanted to take the kind of PR credit that comes with making that statement, but they wouldn't put it into the agreement. So we campaigned for that and we got that and we won that. And so now unlimited access to paid family and domestic violence leave is what our union is pursuing across the sector. What we saw though is that how hard that struggle was to try and get paid family and domestic violence leave into the agreements over this 10-year period. And what was really apparent to us was that it should never really be an issue of power and the power imbalances that we know exist for our members across the sector when they sit down at the negotiating table. So what we have also done at the same time is support the, the push for 10 days of domestic and family violence leave in the modern awards and now, of course, today where we find ourselves with this excellent outcome that it is enshrined as a law for every worker. That is a remarkable achievement and I do think that the work of the trade union movement in everything we have done has gotten us to this point because we were able to make submissions in the more recent round to the Fair Work Commission when it was considering the issue of paid family and domestic violence leave recently to really show when you've got paid leave like we've got in our sector, what difference it makes for those who need to access it but also that the financial impact isn't as, as huge as the employers were suggesting that it would be. They were suggesting that, you know, we wouldn't possibly be able to afford it and we couldn't pay it. But because we had done the work and we had employers in our sector who could show this was a positive aspect to now changing culture around this and we're paying it and it's very affordable, I know that that also helped contribute to where we find ourselves today and that that's just a moment that we reflect on everything that we've all done to get here. 
Give us an understanding of just how it's made a difference in women's lives at that critical moment when they're under, you know, they might be having the worst day of their life because of the circumstances that they're facing in their personal lives and their family lives, and then have to previously make a choice between going to work and keeping their job and being able to pay the bills or going to see the police maybe or, you know, a a crisis centre or somewhere for help. And they've got this Hobson's choice between one or the other. If they don't go to work, they might lose their, their job. They won't be able to pay the bills. If they don't go and seek help, they might be stuck in the cycle of violence that they're trying to deal with. You must have already seen that this has been a transformative experience for many women. Oh, huge. I can recall a conversation I had with a a worker who had said to me, the police have said we need to leave and we need to leave tonight. They can't provide any further protection and so I'm going to put the kids in the car and we're going to go. And I don't know where we're going to be, but when I get there, I can't tell anybody. And so for her knowing that we could pick up the phone to her employer and negotiate the time that she needed, paid time, to do that, to resettle, and then to have an employment opportunity in that new place, in that new town, that changed her life. That may have saved her life. And so I can point to a number of stories like that where I know that having the support of your employer through paid time leave to go and do those things has actually made a real difference for many, many, many working women in the finance sector. Is it also about changing the culture of being able, prepared to ask for help in that regard because of the the taboo and stigma around discussing these painful issues in the workplace or you know outside of the, uh, the stressful or damaged domestic situation, the judgment that previously has come with that? Is that culture changing, which will allow women to actually access this leave without fear or favour? Yeah, and that's some of the, um, the key work that we've been doing across the sector. So we said it's great that you're providing paid leave and that is the first and, and important step. But now we've actually got to change culture. We need to ensure that all the frameworks in the workplace are set up and designed to help support women so that they can feel confident to speak out about the situation that they're facing at home, knowing that their manager or the person in the HR department can respond appropriately. And so that there was really then a big push by our union to work with the employers for what does that support look like? How do we change the conversation so that managers know exactly what to do? There was a particular instance where a woman had had described a very terrible set of circumstances and she said to a team leader in the meeting, look, I actually need to go off this afternoon. I need to go down to the police station because this is what occurred to me last night. Her former partner broke into her home and assaulted her and her children. And the manager in that moment had no idea how to respond and shut her down in a way that said, I don't want you talking about this. And that was really, really like a wrong reaction and the wrong response. But in hindsight, when we stood back from that, what we could see was a manager who just wasn't prepared, wasn't supported. And so now many of the the employers across the sector are starting to really think about how do we educate, how do we support? Because if we don't change the tone of the conversation, then we're not going to change culture. And as you say, that's really, really critical to allowing women to know, A, there's an entitlement, but B, I'm going to be supported when I ask for it, when I need to take the time off. The other aspect to this also is that it once again shines a light on a culture that needs to change. The fact that this particular legislation and this leave is required is a damning indictment of uh, patriarchal culture that still exists in this country where these things are happening way, 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 way more than they ever should. It would be nice to get to a world where this wasn't required, but we're a long way away from that. Yeah, yeah. Family and domestic violence is is a national emergency. And as I said earlier, you know, we've still got one 
one in four women um, having experienced some form of violence at the hands of an intimate or former partner. And so that has to change, of course, and the way we change that is by changing societal norms and we need to come to the power imbalances and we need to be working with men also about what is acceptable behaviour and the treatment of women. But I would say this, that whilst we've got a long way to go in this space, it is amazing that we have the ability now to lean in and, and use this type of leave. It just can't be underestimated how critical winning paid family and domestic violence leave is. It's, it's going to save lives. We know it already has where we've had it in place in enterprise agreements. So I think you're right. There is a long way to go, but today's announcement is a really important right for women who need it. Julia, congratulations on having such an important role in achieving this landmark moment in uh, Australian life. Providing this leave has been another moment that shows that being a unionist, being in a union, working collectively in the common interests of everyone leaves a legacy that uh, will be something that will be important to generations to come. And uh, you certainly played your role in that. Thanks for being on the job today. Thank you. And I also want to pay tribute to the many thousands of union members led by very strong women around this country who have tirelessly campaigned to win this new critical right for working people. So thanks for the opportunity to be part of the the conversation today. Julia Angrisano, National Secretary of the FSU, the Financial Services Union, with us here on the job. Lisa Darmanin is the Branch Secretary for Victoria and Tasmania for the Australian Services Union, the ASU. They were also at the forefront of this uh, fight for change when it comes to paid domestic and family violence leave. I spoke with Lisa late last week to get her take on what has been a successful, long and very satisfying campaign. Lisa, welcome to On The Job. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. This is a really historic moment, isn't it? I mean, well, you need to sort of stop and take a breath here at just what a a landmark piece of legislation this is, not only for Australian workers, but in the context of global achievement. It absolutely is. And I've been thinking about this over the last few days, as you would imagine. And to think how far we've come in what is a relatively short space of time is truly remarkable and something to be really proud of, actually. It's amazing. 12 years to have a universal entitlement in our country, having just started on this first in the world not that long ago. I was speaking to my mum about it uh, just yesterday and for her and her generation, so she's a, she's a boomer, she was born in, in uh, the mid-1940s, to have this opportunity for women in particular, and it's not just for women because people in domestic situations might find themselves in, in all sorts of relationships, but predominantly women, now to be able to know that there's that support in these critical moments. Um, you know, she's blown away by it in lots of ways because through her experience and those of her friends over the journey, this wasn't available and these choices weren't available to them. So as a marker of progress, this is very significant. It is really significant. And if I would add, one of the things that I think is really significant about it that isn't spoken about as much as the entitlements themselves is what they represent and One of the things for our union that we thought was really important from the beginning of our conversation with members about this claim was that it's not just about providing the entitlements and support to workers, which is absolutely critical, but it's also about having them in enforceable documents that prompts the conversation, that brings the issue of um, family violence into the public domain, not something that should be hidden, but something that needs to be talked about a light shone on and um, 
discussed because it's a societal issue. There are perpetrators in the workplace. And the more that we can talk about this and talk about the fact that it is unacceptable, the more we can do to try and prevent these situations from happening in the first place. So I think, you know, it's really important to have that conversation as well. Let's talk about the campaigning around this. I'm really interested in how this has been achieved because, you know, it might provide something of a template for other campaigns that need to run just as long and require just as much hard graft as this has. So from your own personal experience, where did you start on this campaign? Amidst your other responsibilities with the Australian uh, Services Union, the ASU, what's been your journey? Well, Our branch of the union was the branch that negotiated the first clause. So at the Surf Coast Shire in 2010, um, it wasn't me personally, it was a couple of our organisers working with delegates at that council. And, you know, we came about the clause, as you've probably heard, through the um, Family and Domestic Violence Clearinghouse, who had initially shopped the idea with employers to try and bring this workplace entitlement in. Ludo McFerrin spoke to us and said, look, employers aren't really interested in this. So then she went to the union movement. I was um, involved in the Victorian Trades Hall Women's Committee. It was talked about there. And then from there, it went to the Geelong Women's Committee where our delegate from the Surf Coast Shire Council, who was on that committee, picked up the idea, was having a personal experience of family violence at the time. And that really spoke to her. And so That's where it began and I think for our union, we're in a pretty unique position where we represent workers in local government but we also represent workers in the community sector, frontline family violence workers and some of our staff are social workers and have worked in frontline family violence services and so they had a kind of industrial organising union negotiation hat on but they also had that frontline expertise and we were able to bring both of those things to the negotiating table to tip things over at Surf Coast. And then from there, we proceeded to roll it out in every single workplace agreement we could in our industries. So local government really picked it up pretty well. It took a a couple of years and then, you know, we saw what happened all around us, particularly in Victoria, around the Royal Commission into Family Violence that provided some additional impetus and pressure and conversation from the state government to bring in that policy throughout the Victorian public service. So, you know, from little things, big things grow really is the message. It's something now that will literally save lives, won't it? I guess we need to, you know, focus on that too, that just these crucial moments in people's lives where they need support and they've previously had to decide between looking for that support or that shelter or that respite or working and being able to pay the bills. And quite often they've chosen the latter out of uh, out of sheer need and had to continue to, you know, face unbearable circumstances. Absolutely. You know, the stats right at the beginning of this campaign told us that two-thirds of women who report family violence are in paid employment. So it is absolutely an issue for working people. We had members talk to us and tell us about the large amounts of sick leave and annual leave that they had to take. People are fearful of losing their jobs, which adds to that emotional stress and legal stress that's caused when you're in a situation like this. So it is absolutely going to save lives and change lives. And it's, yeah, it's one of those moments in history to be really proud of. 
And it's a reminder, isn't it, that all change that comes that improves the lives of working people is hard fought and it's unions and workers that win this. And I guess for so long and often, you know, the, the generations change and the assumption is that sick pay and holiday pay and, and superannuation are just part of the natural scheme of things. But, you know, people such as yourself and others within the movement have fought really, really hard for these things. And you know, we need to remind people that to, in order for the change to to happen, that being part of a union and acting collectively and being as resilient as, as you all have been is the only way change happens. That's absolutely right. There is no question that if it weren't for the union movement pushing this consistently year on year and not just individuals but hundreds and thousands of people, ordinary workers from across different industries – taking part in the campaign to keep pushing to spread the entitlement further and further and further, we would not be where we are today. As you say, like these things don't come out of the benevolence of employers. Um, you know, the Clearinghouse tried that right at the beginning in 2009 and eight, and that didn't work. It takes the power of people to make change. And change has been made here and I congratulate you and everyone within the movement who has uh, put their shoulder to the wheel on this because you literally will be saving lives with this change and uh, it's so great to have you on the job. Thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. With Francis Leach and Sally Rugg, this is On The Job. Lisa Darmanin, the Branch Secretary for Victoria and Tasmania for the Australian Services Union with us here on the job. Well, thank you for being with us this week. Once again, if you can, give us a rating, give us your stars, whatever platform you're using. It helps people find the pod, uh, share the information and the inspiration, as I like to say. I know it's a sucky thing to ask, but we need you. We need you to be involved. So uh, put your shoulder to the wheel and uh, give us a review and help bump us up those charts. Uh, you can follow me at St. Frankly on Twitter. You can also email the podcast, otjpodcast at protonmail.com, otjpodcast at protonmail.com. If you've got a story idea or a suggestion for something that we should look into or someone we should speak to, hit us up. We're all there for good ideas. Thanks for being with us, and we'll catch you on the next edition of On The Job. Bye for now.